Welcome. This is Connie Reagan Green, and this is another podcast. I'm from Huge Profits, TinyList.com, and today I'm talking to the legendary Marlon Sanders. Marlon, welcome. Hi, Connie. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, we're excited to have you. You know, you've done so much, Marlon. You're one of the the people that started in the very beginning. No, you no let's hear more. Tell, hey, let's tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. No, you did things from the very beginning. I had heard your name in, in various ways, various places. I started buying some products from you, and then finally I met you in person about, I guess it's been about three years now. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the way that you approach this business is very different because you come from a different background. So you know, right. how did how did you get started? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, the first I'll tell you, give you the shtick part, and then I'll give you like the the hardcore part. So the shtick part is I was a strange kid, and when everybody else went to the fair to look at uh, the 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 cars and the cows and the horses and the pigs, I went to the fair to listen to the guy selling the blenders and the knives and the little mouse that would crawl up your arm. And actually, that is a true story. I was very fascinated with sales and selling and marketing, but I was really horrible at it. In the seventh grade, they came to my band, and there was this little mirror ball that project all these multicolor images all over your room, right? And if I only sold a billion magazines, I could win this thing, right? So I went out walking, I believe, miles, knocking on doors, and I finally found one woman who bought some magazines. Everybody else, like, won the mirror ball or the other stuff because they just went to their, like, their dad or their mom, and they're like, hey, who do we know that will buy some magazines, right? <laughs> uh, and so, like, they were intuitive marketers in a way, and I was probably on the other end of the spectrum. Later in life, after I graduated from college, I had a job selling insurance, and I had a, a telemarketing machine that would call people full-time. <laughs> And you know, and generate leads. And I put thirty thousand miles on my car in six months. I only sold one homeowner's insurance policy on a wooden house about to burn down. And I supposed to be selling life insurance. <laughs> so you know, I was not intuitive. Fortunately, things changed because I wouldn't give up, Connie. And I did the one thing that most people won't do is I educated myself about marketing. I learned about marketing. I learned the fundamentals and the basics about marketing. Something a lot of people won't do. They want the quick fix, the push button. Just tell me exactly what to do. I never thought about it. Thought about it that way. When you're talking about, I had a different background. That's it. I always thought about it as if I learn marketing, I control everything. If I learn how to sell and I learn how to market, I control the whole game. And so that's what I set out to do, and that's what I did. I didn't learn it overnight. Back then, I didn't have the Internet, and I didn't have all the advantages. Originally, I didn't have the Internet and all the advantages we have today. So it's a very long learning curve. Bought every book and scrap of info I could find, no matter how pitiful it was. Like, I remember distinctly buying a $10 report. That was probably five pages. But I learned one thing from it. I learned about the value of paying out 90% commissions, which is what they paid out on the report. And like half the report told you the value of earning 90% commissions. But I learned that. I never forgot that, right? I mean, that was years and years and years, probably like 1979. I still remember that lesson. So anyway, I spent a uh, a lot of time learning. And at some point, I stumbled across what I later called the amazing form that sells products like crazy. That's kind of when you have that epiphany moment, when things come together. Things didn't make sense. Things didn't work. I tried things threw my ideas out there, ran my little ads. Now, back then, we didn't have little cheap ads like you have on the Internet today. Instead, we had little cheap ads in what were called ad sheets, where they had eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. This is actually true, with ads front and back, little one-inch ads. 
That's all that was on it, ads front and back. And people would pay a dollar for what was called a big mail, which was an envelope stuffed full of eight and a half by 11 sheets with ads on the front and the back. Wow. Now, you could buy an ad on an ad sheet for like one dollar or five bucks or ten bucks. And that's how we learned marketing back then when we had no money. And, you know, but I learned a lot. I ran these little ads, and you'd mail them out your sales letter, and nobody would buy, and sometimes people would buy. And make a long story short, then AOL came along, CompuServe, Prodigy. I was marketing on those, doing two-step marketing, which is what we learned about in those days. And, you know, the big secret on AOL, Connie, was he would email you, you know, for a free report. You would hand email them back because autoresponders didn't exist. And the big right. secret back then right. that my friend Jonathan Mizell taught was if you put their name in the subject line, you'd get double the orders. And this was actually truth of God true, right? Uh-huh. And... uh so, make a long story short, or make a long story longer, we did AOL, CompuServe, all these things. Then the Internet came along. I had a job. I finally got a job as a copywriter for a company for a guy who was a guru at the time and spoke at all the big seminars. And Gary Halbert flew in every week to meet with him and so forth. And there's a very famous copywriter, guy who was trained by maybe the fam- most famous copywriter ever in the old days, Thomas Hall, who Gary Halbert said was his mentor. And his name was Lou Williams, and Lou took me under his wing and taught me how to write copy and a lot of things about marketing and so forth. And I had met Jonathan Mizell along the way, as I mentioned. We became good friends. He was wrote the first online marketing newsletter, blah, 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 blah. Uh, later, I became a copywriter, got paid $10,000 and more just to write a sales letter for a client. client my best client was out here close to me in Hunt, freaking Texas. His name was Walter Itsy Bitsy Haley. It was worth about $600 million. And a very good client to have, I might add. <laughs> and uh, then we got, I got invited by Jonathan. He got an opportunity. We started speaking at seminars, and we did 120 seminars around the world. And, you know, my first product was codifying the things that I told you that I learned that were just such a huge breakthrough to me, which is the amazing form of sales products like crazy. And then we've had an enormous string of products ever since. How did you and that is the, the long, short version of my <laughs> uh, my metamorphosis into this crazy business that we call selling online. And it's actually just about coming up with products and getting people to buy them, coming up with offers and giving people good reasons to spend money with you instead of something else. And I might add, Connie, you are particularly skilled and good at this adventure. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But how did you get started with the dashboards, Marlon? Well, you know – we did a survey. We do surveys of our list, Connie, because, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was struggling was I had this little motivational bookstore. And we did sales books and motivation. But this guy comes in one day driving a Mercedes, well-heeled, hat on, really nice boots, fancy clothes. And I'm like, what do you do for a living? He's like, well, I sell things. I'm like, really? Well, I'm not very good at it, which was ironic because I had a store that sold stuff about selling and marketing and motivation, right? I'm like, well, boy, I'm really not good at it. He goes, well, you know, I know how you feel. You used to feel the same way. Tell you what I found. Phil felt found, right? Know how you feel. You used to feel the same way. Tell you what I found. Selling became easy for me the day I realized that whatever they were buying, that's what I was selling, and it's never been hard for me ever since. Oh, I like that. And so that's why we do surveys, because we want to find out what people are buying and want to buy. One of the things people told us in surveys, they wanted stuff step by step. They wanted stuff broke down. So in 2001, I believe it was, we created our first dashboard, which was marketing dashboard, which was my attempt to take and make things as step-by-step as possible for beginners, for newbies, and so forth. 
Okay, excellent, excellent. Also, with direct mail, do you do any direct mail right now? Do you send people postcards or anything Actually, like that? I just put this because we used to do postcards all the time, and I really miss doing it. And I just today was creating my prioritized list of marketing activities, and that's one of them that's on that is to refire up our send-out cards and our USPS mail and all of that. Okay. Yeah, I like send out cards, except I wish they had a different font. I wish they had one that – because now when why I don't get a you send have out a font card – Why don't you have your font that's your personal handwriting? That's what I have. Okay, because when I get a send out card, right away I recognize that font that, that they typically Yeah, but they, they create a custom font based on your handwriting. You fill out a little form, you write in the little squares, and they turn that into a font that is literally your handwriting. Okay, so the people that are not doing that are just people that are not doing that. The people that are doing it, well, you've got to pay a little extra for them to customize the font. And it's because, I'll tell you a great story. Mark Cuban at markcuban.com. I'm in Texas, and people in Australia and UK probably have no idea about this or Singapore, but yeah, basketball, yeah, owns NBA Mavericks, basketball is huge in the United States. He's the owner of the team that won the NBA championship last year, the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks, yeah. I lived in Dallas, Texas for many years. Before he bought the team, they were horrible. I mean, like one year they won like 10 games out of 80 or 70. They were just absolutely awful. He buys the team, turns the team around virtually in one year, blah, blah, blah. Before that, though, the way he became a billionaire and could afford to buy this stupid team was because he started a little business called Broadcast.com and sold it for a billion dollars. And on his blog, he writes a lot about business, and he tells his whole history and story in business. It's a fascinating read. And the basic thing that he says is that knowledge is an advantage. And the way he started his first business that allowed him to start, gave him the capital to start broadcast.com, was he actually had a computer consulting business where he helped the local businesses just take stuff like uh, – at the time, it was Lotus, not even Excel, and, and uh, the other software products for computers and actually make them do stuff in their business that made them money. And the way he learned this was literally by reading the manuals. He says, my big competitive advantage was that I read the manuals and other people didn't. And he's like, you've got to have a competitive advantage whatever you do in business. And this is just a huge lesson yeah. that, 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 that people just don't learn, Connie. People... People want, like, it all done. You know, they want to hire somebody like Mark Cuban in the very early days. He'll just come in. They figured it all out. He just comes in and plugs it in for him, right? Yeah. But, yeah, he's like, you always got to have a competitive advantage. And But to hear him write it, I mean, it's free on his blog. He really articulates it. It's a great read. I mean, he tells his whole story, and he, he articulates that concept so crystal clear. It's just amazing. Excellent. Well, people that are just starting out, they're concerned yep. with their product funnel. What should sure. they do just to get started with that? Well, you know, my friend Joe Schroeder, who I love dearly, said, and maybe Joe didn't invent it. I mean, he was the first person I heard say, you don't got to get it right, you just got to get it going. Yes. And, you know, there's not, it's not, not anything much more true than that. Uh, the thing that happens, Connie, is you probably don't have the right idea to start out with. You probably don't. You're probably doing it wrong. The only way that you learn is by doing. Like one of my first products, I spent six months creating. And it was, I hand typed it because computers didn't exist. And it was called How to Avoid TV Repair Ripoff. 
I spent probably two or three months creating the ad that we ran for the product in the TV guide. Now, if people's TVs were broken, where they needed to avoid TV repair or ripoff, would they be reading the TV guide? This is how much I did not know about target marketing. <laughs> this is honest to God story. But you know what? Let me ask you a question. Did I ever forget that lesson I learned from creating and launching that product? No, never. Never forgot that. You know, that's a lesson I'll never forget. That's how you learn. And, you know, it's not so popular to say that, Connie, to newbies of, well, you learn by doing and by screwing up and making mistakes. Mark Cuban says another thing that's really profound. He says this. People don't understand this. He's like, they look at me, they look at my billion dollars, the Dallas Mavericks and his other many business adventures. And they're like, well, he just must be lucky or gifted. He says, what they don't know is about all the failures that I've had. And he lists all the failures. He says, here's what people don't understand. You only got to get it right once, and everybody will forget every other failure you had. Oh, that's, that's interesting. He got it right once with Broadcast.com. He had a bunch of businesses that, that failed, but he got it right once that gave him a billion dollars. Yeah, because I think it's important, you know, I always share my failures with my with my students, let them know, you know, what what didn't work cuz they always tend to think everything I do works. So yeah, now great. here's the thing is, I believe in doing surveys. So, I teach what is called the 12 product survey, which I learned in 1978 from Benjamin Suarez, who was actually taught the basics of this business by Gary Halbert in the old days. Benjamin Suarez went to be on to have a huge massive business unlike Gary, with like 600 employees. He's, he's like a machine. But, um, but Ben lives and dies by 12 product survey. Now, he actually gives people spendable money. They give him 100 bucks, 12 people. He does three focus groups, 12 people each. They give him 100 bucks to spend on one of 12 products, or they can walk with 100 bucks. And that's how he finds out what people want to buy and the next product he's going to create. Wow, I love that. That's, well, what that's we've always cool. done is just 12 product surveys, although now I'm at a point where I'm thinking about actually really doing what he does and giving people real spendable cash. Because then you find out, do they want the cash or do they want one of the 12 products? Right. Right. What, what would have more value to them? In yeah, lives? now, those 12 products don't have to exist. Right. I mean, now, you don't tell them that up front. I mean, it's a research study, so they understand they're participating in some study. I mean, if the product's not ready, they just get the 100 bucks anyway, but they don't know that when they select it. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I love your e-zine that you do. You you do it every Saturday. How long have you been doing that every every week? God, Connie, I don't know. Many, time. many years, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because that's fantastic. And it used to be a lot shorter. It's longer now. Um like many things in business, I don't know if that's right or not. I don't know if it's right to produce a shorter one or a longer one. You could make a case for both, Connie. Right. Um, but I know many of us, we read every single word. Well, Paul Myers has been writing a long one for years. He's one of the only other guys that really produces a long – guys or gals that produce a long, easy like I do. Um, you know, I don't know. It's what I do. And for right, for right or right, it has some advantages, it has some disadvantages. There are reasons that I do it. Um, one is I, I feel that it rewards people for being on your list. Two, you know, some of the issues are self-serving. They promote my point of view and my beliefs. Um, and, you know, and also when I send it out, there's usually an offer in there, and a lot of times people buy something. Um, I think the, what 
you know, some kind of value-oriented communication with your list is important. I do think that if you just send all – now, you know, Connie, you're an anomaly, though. You don't really send, like, e-zine or content so much, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you do is your emails always contain a story, usually, that really is very engaging. Yeah, I do. I do send a story because I think from the very beginning, I wanted to show people that – um, I was just like them, and I was just learning, and if I can share a story of, you know, how something helped me or what I learned from someone or something, that that would have more meaning to them than if I simply just said, you know, this is this is great, I think you should buy it. I want to, I want to tell them why I really do believe that when I do that. So I well, love I the stories, the and I love the stories in your meetings. Oh, well, thank you. But in your easings, you tell fantastic stories there. You're always sharing people that you know and just all kinds of situations. And, you know, we, we love to hear about that. Well, it's kind of the Gary Halbert theory of a little uh, to some degree. Uh, Gary would always tell stories much better than I did because he was such an freaking believable writer. But, um, but, you know, you would just whether you would just I just waited for that monthly Gary Halbert issue and I really miss him because he, even if he was just selling something or even if he really didn't even have a real point to an issue which sometimes was true you would just those stories were just Gary could tell us I'll never forget like he just tells us one whole spends this one whole issue telling how he bought a treadmill and he's getting on the treadmill, like reading or something, or listening to tapes about the Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And if you knew anything about Gary Albert, Gary and the Seven Habits are probably an oxymoron. <laughs> but he spent a whole issue, and, and you were, I just was absorbed by that story. It's like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. All right, so we know to, to share stories that that's worthwhile. Right. Well, Marlon, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy person these days and always. And what's the best place that people can go and uh, get on your list and find out more about you? Well, if they go to MarlonSanders.com, that has links to a lot of my sites. Most of my sites have a little opt-in form on them on a pop-up or you know, sidebar or something, Connie. Wonderful. And what I have fun doing is searching for you in Google and finding some of your older pages and I opt into those, and I love that information. And sometimes I get to see the older videos, and that's my, my secret tip that you want to search for Marlon's older things and see you know, what he's been doing over the years that has been so, so effective. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. Well, Connie, thank you for having me on. I hope I provided some information that will be of use and value uh, to your listeners. And I do want to say that you're just a tremendous and a great role model for people. The way that you do the books, uh, the way you do really clever affiliate marketing, uh, the way you write your emails. I often refer people to subscribe to your list and read your emails for examples of how to write really great emails because there's so many people that do it wrong and do it bad. And you're a shining example of how to do all of those things uh, correctly. So. Well, um, I just so want to say that to you. I know you know that, but I wanted to say it uh, publicly because I really believe it and I think it's true. So anyway, thank Thanks, you for yeah. having me on, and I hope this has been a uh, benefit to your listeners. Yes, it certainly has. Thanks, Marlon.